0: In Sefer Bal Shem Tov, Amudat Vila, Eis Kufyud, Shemati Mi Mari, Biir Sod He heard from his teacher the secret of the letters, and this is a rule that always applies that the more something in our culture is prevalent but taken for granted the more consequential and meaningful are the secrets hiding behind that thing. So the nature of our culture is the nature of putting us into a deep slumber. And how do you put a soul into slumber? How do you put an intelligence that creates a body and can run a body into a slumber? By removing the meaning of things so that it can't properly relate emotionally to what's happening. But if we remove the meaning of things, then the soul will very quickly wake up from its slumber because life is going to start punching it. And then it's going to suddenly realize that, hey, things have meanings. I need to know what they mean. And if it will listen to its to its inner organs, it will know what things mean. Everything is written in there. It's part of our nature. And so in order to put the soul in a slumber, it's not enough to remove the meaning of things. We also have to create fake meaning. In, fake things. So that the soul thinks that it knows the meaning of things even while it doesn't know the meaning of things. Then the soul is properly in a slumber. It does not know how to wake up. It doesn't even know it's in a slumber part of the time. And so culture removes the real meaning of things and replaces it by meaningless things like who won the sports game oh wow a lot of emotion should go into that one shouldn't it why because life death pain pleasure relationships oh who cares about that but if someone threw the ball somewhere wow that's a very good justification for a tremendous emotional response, that's culture. That's a soul that's deeply disconnected from the nature of what's happening to it. It doesn't find where to invest its emotion, only in the meaningless. And the meaningless extends to politics the meaningless extends to the economy and careers and all the meaningless things that humanity has created in order to distract us from the fact that we are divine beings and we don't know who we are. And so, in the most basic of language, the place where we would think the least likely ponder over there are hidden the biggest secrets and that's in the letters the letters actually mean something something real not something fictitious to agree on meanings of things and then go for a trip together into nowhere's land but something real about the nature of how you become you that's what's hidden in the letters the letters are intelligences that together are thinking and talking. And that's why they're using letters in order to express themselves. And so it's not just the letters that are creating the sounds that are hitting your ears. It's the letters that are deciding that this is what I want to say. It's the intelligences that dwell within me that are deciding that they're going to use the syllables and together express this idea. All of this is letters, not just the external sounds. There are elements that together are creating, just like the body. The life force that gets created by the body is created by multiple elements. If any of those elements are injured, then consciousness can no longer be projected. And then the soul wakes up outside of the body outside of the body, it doesn't need consciousness, but who does it meet outside of the body? The same forces that it was interacting with while it was in the body. The body is a perfect dress for something that dwells within the body, and that something has components the same way the body has components. That's why the Torah that wants to tell us about the Tzelem Elohim, the form of the Divine, has. Components just like the body, 248 and 365. Those are the components that together create a unity. The letters are these components. The vowels are controlling these components. Just like in speech, speech is a metaphor for a process of the soul, as it takes on form, in order to manifest into meaning. Meaning happens here by us. Beyond us, there's just the math of what it is. But meaning, which involves an emotional response to what it is, that happens here by us, where information meets emotion. It doesn't happen elsewhere in creation. Information meets emotion, and therefore, as a result of this collision, as a result of this lovemaking, there is the meaning of what's taking place. What does it all mean? It's taking place. What is it? Only he knows. The amount of detail that's involved in it, only he can comprehend. But it is certainly taking place. We are part of it. And therefore, we are taking place, but what does it mean? What does it mean? That's something that only we can decide. Only we have been deciding from the beginning. And based on what we think it means, all of reality comes into manifestation, the whole world takes form. Not only the world, but even the planets that surround the world, even the stars, they all take on form. Based on what does humanity think it means. And so the secret of the olive base is the secret of creation, is the secret of the process of creation, because it's that process that's creating right now. That's the same process that created Bidvar Hashem Shemaim Nasi, also there, the letters created. In order to create, there needs to be forces. There's a collection of forces, and these forces create together. And our body is our only way of knowing these forces. All the letters and all the words can only point us to the demonstration that the Creator designed in order to tell us the story. And so he says, he he learned the secret of the letters. Every word that comes out needs to go through three levels of processing. Because when a word comes forth, this word is coming forth from the intelligence. And so now there's going to be a response and this response needs to go through a process. Of Achno, of Dole, and Amtoko. Verotzalomar Kidine Shah Vipar, Haromes Betaevas Adonoi, the Psychast Felish Menaisre, Colla Cavona Sheyasham, Tsurkleham, Beholtev Vedibi Lahamtik Adinin. Something went wrong in the process of creating us. We're all aware. We know that something is not right. We can't particularly put our finger on it, but it's not us as individuals. It's us as a species, us as a creation, us as a world. Something went wrong. It didn't go wrong by mistake. But when we say it went wrong, it means it didn't go by the process that we would create if we wanted to create perfection. Creation is not perfect, creation is lacking somewhere, and it's lacking on purpose. It's lacking because we need to complete. Because in order for the world to complete, we have to become intelligent enough. And as long as we're not intelligent enough, the world is lacking. It was designed that way. It was designed that we come into a world that's lacking. And we ourselves are lacking and by completing ourselves we complete the world and so the way that it lacks is that there is din din means that there is conflict there is restriction beyond what's good for the being the being way too strict with himself. He doesn't know how to help himself. He can't stop being strict with himself, even though he knows that he shouldn't. And that's called Midasadin. This has to do with the ancient process of human development and even before before there were any humans, before there was any world, in the process of creating the desire for this world, which included all the details of what will take place, in that desire, there was already something that was broken that needed to be fixed. And so it didn't happen when we came. It didn't happen with us. It happened in an ancient place. And ever since then, there's something that's waiting to be completed and we are the ones that are supposed to complete it. And this is at the base of our relationship with the Source. The Source meaning the one who desired all this. How does he feel about you? That depends on how well are you going about fixing what is wrong with what he designed. There's something lacking. Are you facing that, that is lacking? And are you trying to help to heal that process so that it should no longer be lacking? And this relates to attributes and intelligence. Through attributes and intelligence, we come closer to understanding the problem of the world and to being in a position to help. And so when culture disconnects us from the meaning of things, it disconnects us from finding favor in the eyes of the Creator. If our emotions are tied to things that are meaningless in the eyes of the Creator, then our behavior is not going to be pleasing. Then our intentions are not going to be accurate. There's a way of what was meant to happen here that inside of us we know, but in our minds we've completely forgotten. And so when we try to confront this din that's already in the world, the frustration, we came into a world that is a frustrated world, when we try to confront this frustration so then we need to know the path the intention of the one who designed us in order to connect to that. We need to know how to surrender to the will that was there before we were even born. Because the will that we've created based on what happened to us is contaminated by the will of people. The will of people have been disconnected from the source for a very long time. And so we have to realign our will with the will of the one who designed us, of the one who lives in all the worlds. We have to surrender our will to the real will to the will that makes us, to the the will that wants us to be. Our will is what to do with that, but that's not the will, the will is to be. We want to return to the will to be the way that it is in what's keeping us alive. Something wants us enough that we're here. We have to reattach to that. And that being doesn't live on any culture. That being is not told what to do. That being, the majesty of that being, the perfection of that being, the design that requires trillions upon trillions of angels that is so special in that being, is that it knows itself what it does at each moment. It wants perfectly anew in response to exactly what happened now. Not to follow someone else's story. That's not natural for this design, that's hijacking the design, taking it for a ride, putting a spell on it. The design is that this soul that's been perfectly balanced by the master of the universe gets to fully acknowledge its own existence. Because within its own existence is the expression of the divine forces. Nobody should interfere with the expression of the divine forces. Nobody has the right, nobody has the wisdom, nobody knows the consequences. And so within the soul is the sacred will, and that will is what we need to respect, what we need to learn worship is the will that was planted by the Master of the universe. That will is the sacred will. If we violate that will, of course, there will be terrible consequences, because we're violating the very root of life through where the soul is receiving its sustenance every moment. If we tamper with the will, we're tampering with the very root through which life is fed to the soul. And so when a word comes forth from the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah represents the real you. The Shina knows what you want better than you. So when you surrender to her, it's a live thing. You're not surrendering to something you read. It's not, you're not surrendering to something you saw somewhere or someone else's belief. Based on what you've heard and understood from wherever, you realize that the one that's giving you life is alive in you and therefore you surrender your will to that will, to the one that's alive in you, of course. Not to a book and not to a story. All books and stories are just trying to point out that what's alive in you is sacred. And you need to surrender to it because you don't know it. Don't violate it by pretending to know it. And so when the, when the words come forth, every word, there needs to be a process that's the din, that sweetens whatever judgment is still left because something was broken when the world was created and therefore everybody didn't get the right set up and therefore they were frustrated and then their children didn't get it right and then they were frustrated and then there were their children that didn't get it right and they were even more frustrated. And so if we let the words forth they come forth within we have to try to reduce the din on every word to sweeten it to understand better to bring the words closer so that they serve the real purpose of the soul what is it the soul really wants at the end of it all why is why is the soul so frustrated it's because it wants good is because it knows that it's supposed to be better. The soul remembers home. The soul wants to feel home. Home feels very cozy for the soul. She knows she's okay. She knows she's safe. She knows no one is out to get her. That's what feels home to the soul. If the soul is not at home, then every word should be somehow trying to bring her home. Aleph is soit pele. Aleph represents the Alufa represents the one that's dressed up as everything and everyone. And that one is the wonder. What does it mean to be a wonder? It means that as much as you think about it, you won't understand it. There's no way to explain. That's the end of the line. When you say something is a pele, it means. Don't try to understand it any further because you can't go any further. There is one. That's the way it is. That's the way it must be. Very big people, very big souls have pondered and all got to the same conclusion. That the fact that we are the way that we are says that there was one. And in all of us, before we became this complex being, there was one. There was one cell, there was one particle, there was one that became so many. It all starts with one. In order to create a family, all we need is one. All we need is one couple. And we can have an entire dynasty. This is what shows the nature of life. From one becomes many, from one becomes many. This is everywhere in life we see. So before everything, there is one. And that one is hiding in the first letter. Sound? Who? Who is making the sound? the one that was there before everything he's the only one there was no one that came since him there was nowhere from where to come and so everything that is is the same one it can't be anyone else that's hiding in the aleph and so the aleph If you read the letters in the other direction is the letters Pele. When a slavish boy is base, Shubay Alfin. The second letter is two Alephs. Meaning there's nothing new in the second letter. There's no one new. No one was added since the original. It's just that he dressed up with himself and now there's two. And so the base, the two, doesn't mean that there is now an other. It's just two Alephs. Two Alephs are looking at each other. V'chayna is gemul, gemul alfin. Ad oistuf, dalad meis alfin. represents 400. And so the 400 is still the same one, that's 400. So all the letters have the same force that's becoming different things as it's taking on form, just like when I'm speaking. The Spirit is taking on different forms, but it's still me that is speaking all the sounds. And so the one that is, he is dressing up as everything, just like I'm dressing up as all these words. In the same way he is dressing up as all of us, he's dressing up as all the stars, he's dressing up as everything that is. There can be nothing that's disconnected, there can only be something that's asleep. And when it's asleep, it's losing out on the opportunity of being, while it can be. It can be anything, and the soul has plenty of preferences of what it would like to be. And then, when the soul wakes up and she remembers, she knows. And she knows if she was or if she wasn't, or what she was and what she wasn't, and some things are much more appreciated than others. And so, in all the letters, comes the same one again and again. Every time looking different because he dressed up in a different form. In the first letter, it was still clear that it's him because there was no one else. In the second letter, it was a little less clear that it's him. And so it keeps going and getting less and less clear until you get to the furthest out it can be where the nefesh is the closest to the clip is the closest to the place where it can forget its true nature, because there's already so much distraction. There's so much distinction between the original one that was everything, and what he became. Shasham Machshob is the imagination can already just dress this divine force as an evil thought, a thought that's coming against you. So at the beginning, the thought is, of course, for you. The thought is trying to think for you and help you out. That's the only reason a thought would form. A thought will never form for any other purpose other than to make your life better. But then as it goes through the process of forming its own form, it gets filtered through the entire history. And there it can take on colors that are not pleasant. It can take on beliefs. It can respond to imagined circumstances. And then what comes out is not accurate. And so the lower the thought comes forth, the more easily it can get distracted. If it's a thought that's related just between me and myself, it's much easier for me to remember who I'm dealing with and therefore I won't offend myself. But the more I'm dealing about things, that are more distant from myself, I might think thoughts that are not in my best interest. I'm not so familiar with myself at those levels. So the further I go away from the Aleph towards the tov, the more the Machshove could have the power over what I'm trying to think and they can divert it to the wrong direction where it actually, actually ends up against me by the time it's fully formed. As he notices that a spark, a divine spark of the Creator came down into such a level in order to dress up as you. And so on who is it more to feel compassion. Where's the empathy more pronounced when it's just me that's going through a difficulty and I, what do we know what a human being is? What do we know what he deserves? (coughs) But here we're saying that when I'm having my difficulty, the one who created the world, who somehow is alive in all of the world, he, for him, this is a problem for him. So then, how much more so that I have to be compassionate and try to do whatever I can to reduce the suffering? If I'm saying it's a human being suffering, OK, it's terrible. I really need to help a human being out. But what do I know what a human being is? what do I know how important he is? But if I'm saying it's the creator of the world suffering, can there, can there be anything that's more important than the creator? Don't we instantly have to run to liberate him? And this is exactly how the righteous would behave. That when they saw another human suffering, to them it was exactly like the is suffering, and it's upon them to, re- to relieve that suffering immediately. And so from this he should wake up to what's really happening over here. Get out of his little picture and see the big picture. Based on your suffering, you can see the big picture. It's not your suffering. Someone dressed up as you in order to go through your suffering with you. Someone who knows what's happening, not like us in our mind. We've long forgotten what the story is. We can be distracted. But someone is carrying this load and knows what it means to carry this load. And that someone is is a divine being. That someone belongs to the higher realms. And so then he, he will wake up. He will suddenly tremble before the magnitude of the truth. And then all the demons leave. All the Midasadin that was saying, oh, let's do this thing, let's do that thing, maybe this has come, maybe that's coming. When they realize who it is, when there is a tremble about the way reality really works, then they're afraid to act out. Then they know that there will be consequences for everything that takes place. If someone causes the Creator harm, there will be real consequences. Even the demons know that. We tell a wrong story and then they have power over us. But when we tell the right story, they have no power over us. The Creator is the card that beats all the other cards. Everyone knows that the nature of creation is justice. No one is going to get away without justice. It might take thousands of years, but the nature of it, it was designed by the Master that no one will avoid justice. It's not possible. The sooner people will realize that, they will conform with the nature of reality. Everyone who causes harm has to answer for that. Everyone who causes benefit will be rewarded for that. It's justice. It's simple. Every child can understand. And who put it in the heart of the child to be able to understand it? The master designer himself. Because he wants that child to learn how to be their own person, not anyone else. They shouldn't copy, they shouldn't be like or compared to, or how is someone else doing better, or more more advanced, more capable. That's not the nature of it, no. It's to respect what the Master created as he created. Oh, how do we help that? How do we make it better for them? They came here in order to develop their power, because that's the will of the Creator. How do we help that happen? It's not by telling them how to be us or how to be anyone else. It's by allowing them to safely develop, to know what's in their hearts, because who is in their hearts? The Creator Himself, the Divine Being that wants to live on this planet, hasn't been able to do so for a very long time. Quite frustrated with us. The frustration is what we feel. We feel it and we interpret it to be so many different things that it's not. If we didn't have those problems, the frustration would be interpreted somewhere else. The frustration is something much more fundamental. And that frustration comes out everywhere. And if we are wise, everywhere is not people. So the fundamentals have to be reevaluated. There's something real that the Shekhinah wants. That's why it's unhappy. It wants something, and it, you're not, we're not going to feed it whatever and shove it down its throat and say, here, this is the best you can have, and now go away. It's not going away. Mental health is only going to deteriorate if we don't listen to what the soul knows. The soul knows much more than the mind thinks. And the soul wants something. It wants a different treatment on this planet. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel emotionally safe. It doesn't feel financially safe, most people. It doesn't feel spiritually safe to know the intention of why it was brought here and how to have some type of certainty towards its future within the body, outside the body. All these things are basic, these things are not very advanced, like as a species we're quite intelligent. If we would think the right way, we would know a lot of things. We've been thinking the wrong way, we've been lured in to things that are meaningless. And if we get our chemicals from places that are meaningless, if we get emotions from places that are meaningless, then who is going to deal with the neglected reality? Because this equipment was not designed to be manipulated. It was designed to be straight, direct, easy, simple. Every type of manipulation has an infinite number of consequences that no one can predict. And we have to learn to to tune into our hearts because this is the nature of how we were designed. This is not something that we can neglect and be okay. Humanity is not okay, because they have neglected the most basic part of what it means to be human. They don't know how to be themselves. They play with themselves, they distract themselves, but they don't know. They don't understand what used to be common knowledge, and they for sure don't understand what used to be wisdom. And this all comes back to the nature of speech within the nature of speech was the possibility to give humanity life or to give humanity slumber a deeper slumber that was ever possible before through speech we create slumber that can go for an entire lifetime and so it says Es hachaim v'esatoi v'es hamoves v'shara. What did he give? He gave speech. Speech is the tool that has chaim and moves. A moves v'chaim b'yad ha Speech caused us to forget our true nature, forget life and speech is going to cause us to remember life and so when we speak is the time to filter through our speech with these three levels of Achno Avdollah and amtokam that we're discussing and so it says when a person remembers who it is right away he has Achno that's the first step he remembers Who lives within all the worlds, why you think you have a problem, do you get what's going on over here, do you understand the magnitude of this devastation? Because then you'll feel that you're part of something much bigger, you'll be leaning into something that is much more powerful than you. And there the demons have no rights. There no one has mercy for demons. Oh, they're so cute. As soon as we remember who lives in all the worlds, the demons can no longer attack. noira. The fear returns to its source. The source is the one we are all afraid of. The one we're all afraid of is the most absolute. The most absolute reality that is the source of all that we know and see and try to comply with. And so when we return and we realize who lives in all the worlds, then the one who is most feared unites with the fear itself that he is experiencing. He remembers himself within one that is very afraid of him. And so there's a Yichud of Yira im Noira, the fear is right next to the one who he's afraid of. He's so close that he realizes that they are one and the same. When his barren Yitzhakodesh then the spark that was hidden in a world of judgment gets liberated to a world of compassion because it comes home to be realized as what it is. He attaches himself above to the life. And the secret of the life force goes back and forth. It's always Life gets received in a constant cycle of pulses, another and another. So life comes and life goes, like with the breath. Breathe in, more life, breathe out, surrender the life. Breathe in, more life, breathe out, surrender the life. And so life comes in cycles of in and out, like the day and the night, and everything in nature where we see the relationship. This is called liberation from captivity, because this spark was, in, was captive in a world that's not friendly to it. And by liberating her and reminding her who she is, and reminding her that only one dwells in all, we liberate her from her illusions, and she comes home to unite with her source. This is called surrender. Surrender your illusion to the fact that you are something else. And the one who dwells in you is not you. You don't know him. You don't understand him. He's something else. And so You liberate him by surrendering to him. I don't understand you. I respect you. You are something real. I'm fiction. You're real. Tell me how to be. So that's liberation from captivity and that's surrender. He surrenders because he says, There's someone in me that wants to speak. I have to let him. What do I know? How can I get in its way? And so it's the Shechina that's speaking. It's the will that's beyond his ego that's deciding to speak. And his ego doesn't get in the way. His concept of self that has been running him and abusing him is stepping aside. And the will comes to life. Vavdolo, the next step, after Achanal surrenders, Avdolo Lahafrida aklipoiz. To observe the process that took place. What were these formations that were trying to take the thought into din, into judgment? What was behind these thoughts, trying to form judgment? And so he wants to be mavdil, between what was healthy in this process, and that we want to keep, and what was unhealthy in this process, and that we want to discard. And so that's called havdola, Hafrida klipos to separate the good from the not-good, the angels from the demons. And then the third one, v'amtoko, la'aloison To sweeten means to give them their proper context. What is really taking place over here? Where am I getting this from? To realize the significance, to realize that this is the form of life. You're receiving life, but this is how you're receiving it. This is the form that it's taking on. And so to give it the right context, to understand that the movements of the soul are extremely meaningful. Now, if the soul has been fooled for very long, it will appear as if the soul is foolish. But then, as soon as we give the soul the right information, (coughs) that appearance will disappear and suddenly we will see intelligence. The soul is very intelligent. Information stupefies the soul. She doesn't remember herself anymore and therefore thinks that everything is just chaos. And then the soul has a way of surviving in chaos also but it's not very pleasant, and she deteriorates over time. And so the soul needs to be fed with the right meaning in order to be properly engaged. And that right meaning means to give the right context to the words. If the soul has formed words, we want to be mumptic. We want to sweeten the meaning of those words. And this means it goes to a higher world because a higher world means a world that realizes the importance of a human soul. And so the higher the world the more importance to the human soul. The more importance to the human soul the more sweet the words that are said. And so to sweeten the words means to bring it to a higher level of awareness, to a higher vibration, where the sweetness is the only thing that exists. Because the closer we go to the source, the more the abundance of life is ever flowing, and there's no lack. And wherever there's no lack, wherever there's abundance, over there, there's no doubt that good is going to be eternal. (laughs) There's no possibility to think, that maybe something wrong, maybe something evil, maybe something painful will somehow arise. In order to even have such a conception, we have to go very far from the Source. The Source has to go through a process of externalizing us. Externalizing us means that we go through a process of conditioning that can make us believe that we are not Him. And only then can we be exposed to these types of experiences of feeling disconnected, feeling lack of pleasure, having a contemplation that maybe there will be pain. And then for there actually to be pain, we have to be even further away where we come into crystallized beings that have physical form. And then only then is the soul exposed to this possibility an actual experience after she's been in this world this experience haunts her and that's why there's the possibility of it being uncomfortable also outside of the body but prior to this experience that's not possible the soul has never experienced anything like that it doesn't know that this is how it feels or this is what it's going to be like when it comes through this process because in that world all these things can't even be considered It's not a possibility. It's not even a potential. It's not something that can be imagined in any way. (coughs) And so the process is, we surrender because this is the greater being. We have to be respectful to the greater being, even though on the surface of it, all its components that it has representing it here seem to have lost their minds. But in the essence, The greater being is the greater being that dwells within all. That's beyond all mind. That's very stable and it's continuing the process and it's very aware of what's happening here. There was an intention for here and that intention will materialize. But the parts and the portions and the experiences that we are having These are all part of that process that are going to lead to that result. And so we surrender to the greatness of what we're dealing with. We're mafdil between what is real and what was demonic. And then we are mamtic. we give meaning to raise closer to the truth. Where the truth is sweet upon itself, the way it designed itself. So that's called to understand how to unite with these words in a sweet way so that the soul has gained life through those words and not lost life through those words. The words of the mouth of a wise man has grace, meaning that the heart is pleased to hear words of truth. So it finds favor in the eyes and in the ears of those who are exposed to it. Let's go for the Aleph. this is a passage you tell him. one of the words it can mean is an ax. So the passage says, A'lofeinu m'subolim, Axes are already filled and ready to carry. But the Baal Shem Tov learns from these words in his way. Alufenu he says, means Alufa the one who dwells within all. So he says, Alufenu when you understand that the one who dwells within all dwells within you, Musubalim then you'll be able to carry. If he knows that every movement in the world only happens by the will of the one who willed it all into existence. Then he can carry everything. and then there will be no breaking, there will be no trouble. Because our doubt, our lack of confidence, is what doesn't allow us full access to our power. But when we know that the one who dwells within all dwells within us, then nothing can be more powerful than us. Because we attach ourselves to the bigger power that made us. And what happens in our perception, direct reality, this is how we're eventually going to feel. Our body believes us. It also believed us when we doubted ourselves. It also believes us, believes us when we realize the truth. <coughs> So the person knows that he fills it all, every thought and every movement. It's all coming from the source. And so even if while he's praying, he says the wrong meaning in the words, and he, his intention are not ac- is not accurate with the words, by knowing what he knows, he liberates everything. Because the ultimate intelligence can understand everything, even the things that make no sense to us. So it's all a question is, what level of intelligence is judging? So if we attach to the ultimate intelligence that dwells within all, that made all and designed all, and makes everything work together, he knows already why things are the way that they are, and he understands. And so with this intention, any type of prayer works. So I also heard about the three layers that he speaks about. So he says the three la- the three levels of Dolavam <laughs> why is that important? Because something already went wrong with the world, the world's not healthy. If we came into a healthy world, then of course we speak, it's the Shekhinah, speaking to the Shekhinah, what do we have to get involved? But because the Shekhinah is not healthy in the sense that she cannot manifest through healthy humans because of everything that's happened on this planet. So we want to help her, we want to clarify her message, we want to cleanse her from all the judgment that's been going on against her, and give her back her dignity, give her back her glory. Remind her her importance in the place of what's happening here. The one that designed, the one that dwells within. And so we want to heal the words of the Shekhinah. It's the Shekhinah speaking, but the Shekhinah is is not well in the sense that she's been alienated. misunderstood and made to feel ashamed, made to feel like something is wrong with her. And now we have to heal the words so that she can find her own way back home. And so because of what happened by the shvira, because portions of our soul went to the other side in the beginning of creation and so now when the words come out we have to help those words heal in order to unite them properly with the source so that they can help heal the Shekhinah. And so when these sparks fell into the impure they caused that the intelligence has a part of it that is saying things that are not in our interest. Something is happening here where when it manifests, we get thoughts that are not what's best for us at all times. And so something is corrupt within the process. And this is what we want to try to heal. How are we going to heal it? We can't see the process directly. We can see what comes forth from the process, which is the speech and the speech through the speech we can heal. And so we have to separate the thoughts that are appropriate for the Shekhinah and the thoughts that are inappropriate for the Shekhinah. We have to distinguish between the formations of the soul that are accurate for the soul and appropriate for the soul and the formations of the soul that are related to the broken vessels of being disrespected and losing its dignity so it's behaving then less than a royal divine being because it's been disconnected from its nature. Someone has told it otherwise and it believed. And so there the shkhina lost its power. It lost its belief in itself. It lost access to its own tools, to its own manifestation of life. And so when we heal the speech, we're healing the belief of the Shekhinah in herself, which is what has fallen, which is what it means to be in Is The Shekhinah doesn't believe in herself. She doesn't believe she can liberate herself. She doesn't believe that she can do it good and everything can be fine. And so she doesn't even try. She's just, give me a master and I'll serve him. And this way, at least I'll have what I'll have. At least they won't take that away from me. The Shechin is not seeing her real power. We have to give her back her power. We have to remind her who she is. There are two ways of doing this, of cleansing a spark from the demons. One is a way that's more general, and one is a way that's more detailed. How do you dance in front of the bride? B'Shamay says, how do you dance before the bride? You say good things about the bride that actually describe the bride. You say things about the bride that every guy wants to hear. He already made the decision, he's already in anyway. Say that she is everything that a Kale is supposed to be. So are being more specific saying even that it's not a time for flarity, it's just say what it is because otherwise you're putting things in his mind that could cause damage later. And the Basil says this is a time where you can go overboard because he's now going for something that is so meaningful that every little bit of help that he gets in order to go into it right is worth it. And Ultimately this is what every woman is. Every woman is a spark of the Shekhinah and the Shekhinah is perfect. There might be some confusion in the process. It doesn't come out, what it should be. But at the essence of a woman, it's the Kala Nova Hasida. That's what she was designed to be. So it says, speaking about the thoughts that we are supposed to bring them back to the Kala. The Kale is the Shina. The Shina is creation. And we want creation to find favor in the eyes of the Creator. And the Creator and creation are represented within us because we are also a creator and a creation. And sometimes we are happy with our creation and sometimes we're not happy with our creation. And that's a metaphor for the one who created the world. Sometimes he's more happy with his creation, sometimes he's less happy with his creation. And so we want creation to find favor in the eyes of creator. And so creation is the bride, creator is the groom, and we want them to fall in love. So what are we going to say? So the Bashama says that in Golis, when the bride is away from the groom, it's enough to say Kalei you can say in general, the Shina deserves to be liberated because regardless of how she behaves, there are so many things that he needs from her. There are so many things that are good in her. There are so many things that she can bring so much value that regardless of her behavior, she needs to be liberated. But the Basilis say, no, even in the Gullis, you have to see the favor, you have to recognize the favor. What, what is it that, give, that says to you that the Shekhinah needs to be liberated? Get emotional about it. This is how you're going to help. And so here, the the you say in generalization that the Shekhinah is the only one that can be the appropriate bride, for the akadesh Baruch and therefore he should be in Esratzeh. You have to go into detail, you have to give her jewelry, that she should really look pretty, that you should at least fall in love with her. Then you can expect him to fall in love with her. oz. It says, if you have the possibility to go into the individual thought and really to repair the relationship between the soul and the meaning that it's giving to reality, then of course do as detailed the work as possible. And if you're doing it the detailed path, then you go through the phases of achno. Of Nam Tokah, to bring it back to the highest place you can so that this word brings the soul closer to its perfection, brings the soul closer to its safety, brings the soul closer to her original home, the place that was violated by strangers. Strangers are behaviors that are strange, sayings that are strange. Strange means without the human heart, without compassion. Everything that's said without compassion is strange. It's not from our kind. And so if he knows how to do it with the Prat, of the then he can go very deep with this process. This is a process for healing the soul. This is a very deeply psychological interaction of healing the inner wounds without running away, without using external measures or external distractions in order to run away from the soul, to return to the soul and to appease the soul, to bring peace to the source so that everything comes forth better. So to heal the inner conversation, the narrative, so that the body is receiving <coughs> thoughts that are pleasant for it to integrate and to digest. <laughs> if not, you should go back to the general reason of why the soul should be liberated. And the general reason is, is because why is there a Because, HaKadosh Baruch wanted a bride, and so the Shekhinah was custom designed to be his bride. And so, of course, at all times, this is the bride that he's going to have, and he's going to be happy with her. This is how she was designed, and this is how he was designed. And so, if he doesn't know specifically how this thought belongs to kindness and compassion, so he can just rest assured that the design of everything was for the eventual unity. And so even this thought is part of that process. And so then he's the din then he'll be able to stand his ground. The, the, the Mazikim won't kick him down the stairs. When a person misunderstands himself or he finds guilt in his thoughts or in his actions. He is capable of falling down many levels below where he would naturally be if he just accepted himself as he is. And so when we judge ourselves, we don't give ourselves the power to be better, but we remove from ourselves the power to defend ourselves from the demons. And then the demons can kick us to places that are really scary. And that can just be a reinforcing cycle of saying, you see how bad it can get? But no, it only got bad because you said what you shouldn't have said. And so you're the same prosecutor coming again, wanting to push me down another flight of stairs. And so therefore, if he knows that everything is from him, then he can hold his ground so that the demons can not push him around. He remains in his Devaikus. That was the promise that the gave to Sechariah when he said, I will give you the ability to move between all these who are standing. The Malochim, the angels, are always standing. Why? Because the world of intelligence doesn't move. Humanity moves within the worlds of the angels. But the angels themselves are permanent. They are the force that they are, and they remain that way. They don't go through change. As we think, we activate them in all kinds of ways. So it's us that's moving. The angels are not moving. And so the the Prophet, he got to move between those who don't move. He knew and saw the world of spirit and the world of the angels, he was human, he could move, and they can't move. But he could move between them and he could know where he wants to go and where he doesn't want to go. The angels can't push him around. So so says he gives them power, he gives them power in the world of the angels. That the demons can no longer change his condition. They can no longer push him around. And so that was the promise that he received. That he will be able to, rem- to remain attached to holiness, to truth. And he won't be able to be pushed around by the illusions any longer. And this is what he gives as the remedy for the general sweetening of judgment. The general sweetening of judgment is not to get into it in conflict with words. It's to know that the entire process was designed with compassion. The entire process is here only because there's something very good that we are supposed to receive. And so therefore there has to be unity. There will be unity. All this that we are experiencing is some form of a unity. We just can't see high enough. What we feel as good and what we feel is not good are different sides of the unity. The unity is speaking in both times. And this is the hardest part for us to accept. This is the part that separates us from living mentally in a stable condition. Because our mental beliefs are changing based on how we are feeling and what we are expecting. We can't stay attached to the life force unconditionally. So when we realize who lives within all, when we realize whose problem this is, then we return from illusion. Then we get to a different level. And then those who have an interest in making us weak have no power over us. And that, in, from that state we're going to find our way to liberation. When we can regain access to that state, then we're going to be able to understand what redemption really means. And from understanding redemption to living redemption is not even an instant. When the heart knows, it will not remain in a smaller condition for not even an instant, it will immediately change how it processes reality based on its understanding, just like it has been for our entire life. When we understood something, that's when our heart changed. Something could have been said to it many times, we didn't understand, nothing changed. And then if if we understood it, then there was a change. So when we understand redemption, then immediately we will have redemption. May it happen now.